Happy Mother's Day. We appreciate all you moms out there. Thank you for caring. Thank you for all the things you've taught us. My mom taught me lots of things. My mom taught me religion. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. She taught me about weather. Looks like a tornado went through your room. My mom taught me irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. She taught me about osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your dinner. And she taught me justice. When you grow up and have kids, you'll know what it's like. Moms teach us lots of things. God actually wants them to teach us. And what he wants them to teach us is to teach us faith, to pass on faith to the next generation. This is mentioned in several places in Scripture, and I want to read two of them to you this morning. The first is from Deuteronomy and the other from Psalm 145. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Psalm 145.4 One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Now, these passages encourage us to pass on the faith to the next generation. It also happens to be a core value of Eastminster, generation to generation. In fact, on your worship folders this morning, we have a list of our core values. We have them there because they create a, a culture that we can Form ourselves around. They inform us on what's important and they help us in our decision making. And so we live out this value of generation to generation in several ways. First, we encourage and equip our parents to make the home the center of discipleship. That means that the home is a primary place where children learn about faith. Let's look at Deuteronomy 6.6 again. Impress these commands on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. We could probably translate today when you drive along the road. And when you lie down and when you get up. Kids aren't at church during those times. They're at home with you. And so we need to make our homes the center of discipleship. So how do we pass on faith at home? The most important thing is that parents live an authentic faith in Christ. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it needs to be authentic. Our children need to know that we follow the Lord, that our family follows the Lord. And when we blow it, we, we apologize and we ask forgiveness. It means that we 
talk about the Lord. So during the course of life, you might want to tell them how you came to know the Lord. You might want to tell them of a time when the Lord redeemed you. You might want to talk about your family history of faith. And then teach them when opportunity allows. The bad behavior of other children gives you a teaching opportunity to say, see, and then tell them what the Lord says. And then uh, pray. Let your children know that you pray for them. And when uh, it comes time to discipline them, I know in, in my own life, my kids would misbehave like everyone else's kids, and I had to come up with a consequence for them. And, and there's a lot of times when I said, you go to your room for a timeout, and it wasn't for them. It was for me to keep my cool and then to ask the Lord, Lord, how do you want me to handle the situation? And there's been troubled times in their lives, and those times I, I pray, and I'm quiet, and I listen. And the Lord speaks in a very quiet and still voice that here's what you can do. Here's who you can call. We impress the faith in our kids. Ever put your hand in clay? Ever put your handprints on the driveway when the cement was soft? We impress our faith on our kids. We don't shove it down their throat, but we do want to impress it. Now the world tries to press our kids into its mold. The church, uh, the, the, the world, it's the, the world will try to uh, impress your kids with, with media and activities and all sorts of things. But God doesn't single out those things as necessary to raise our children well. He, he emphasizes us passing on the faith. God loves our kids. He loves them more than we do. He knows how they can thrive on the earth. He tells them how. And so if our children have the Lord, if they know him, if they love him, if they hear from him, he will lead them into everything that is important and good. Now the church is your partner in all of this with you. At the elementary school level, we offer Sunday school, but we also have faith journey events that we do with you, the parents. Uh, at the middle school and high school level, we have youth group and discipleship groups and parent meetings, and Mike and Matt send parents of our youth a podcast, you know, like this last month. It's like, how do you handle media with your kids? How do you, uh, uh, they talk about the iPhone and, and discipleship and iPhone and parenting. And, you know, they, they tell us lots of things I wish I would have known when I was raising my kids. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this faith journey map. When you look inside, you see that our discipleship of our children begins at baptism. At three years old, we teach you parents how to give a blessing. In pre-K, we teach you how to do family devotions because that then becomes part of their life then. In kindergarten, we teach them how to pray and how to say the Lord's Prayer. 
In second grade, we teach you about service, and you do a service project as a family. In third grade, we give them Bibles, and we teach them the importance of reading, and we, we uh, invite you to be participate in that Bible reading with them. In fourth and fifth grade, we teach them about the Lord's Supper and how we come to the table. In fifth and sixth grade, we talk about biblical view of sexuality. You know, how do you begin that conversation with your kids? Well, we begin it for you, and it gives you a context to talk about it in a biblical and godly way. We are partners with you in raising your children in the faith. Now, a parent may not know how to nurture their child in the faith. It may not have been modeled for them. But we teach you. We make it easy for you to do this. Now, why would we want you to do this? Because we want you and your children to know the fullness, to enjoy the fullness of knowing, loving, and becoming like Jesus. You might think you have a great life, but your life is not as great as a life that has Jesus in it. And so we want your family to have this fullness in your life. Now, we are countercultural in this. Americans often define successful parenting as their children having happiness a college education, and worldly success. That's the top three that American parents will say they want for their kids and what their kids will have if they consider themselves a successful parent. But this is the American dream, and it's not the prize that Jesus calls us to. According to LifeWay research, only 9% of American parents consider their children having faith in God as an indicator of parenting success. When you limit that survey to those who go to church, only 25% of those parents say faith in God for their kids is a goal of their parenting. That's 25%. As parents, we're in the heart shaping business. And the biggest influence on our children's life is the authenticity of the parent's faith and whether you can talk about faith in the home. But you are not alone in this. The church walks with you. And since the church walks with you, we need the church to help in this. And so let me give a pitch for being part of our elementary school, Sunday school team. It's a team, so you don't have to be here every week, but it is an opportunity for you to invest in the next generation. Our volunteers are 82 years old to 12 years old. It's a way for intergenerational service. And think about your own life. Aren't you partly walking with the Lord because faithful people invested in your faith? And maybe you think, well, teaching Sunday school is below you. Well, Mike and Susan Pompeo used to teach Sunday school here, and look where it got them. (laughs) Don't let that be a deterrent to you. 
Maybe you're thinking, my parents, my, or you're thinking, my, my kids are old and out of the house. Well, then I call you to make your home a center for prayer. When I would call my dad, I called him about twice a week, he would always say, you know, uh, we're praying for you, Nancy and the kids. We pray for you every night. He'll ask, how are we praying for you? And I just saw him as this anchor, as this tether that always kept us connected to the power of God. We need someone always interceding for us before the throne of God. Parents and grandparents, are your kids out of the house? Then make your home a center of prayer. Now I say these things to encourage you to a higher call than that the world than the world calls you to. The world calls us to entertainment, technology, busyness, sports, and we have so many activities that we have lost time with our children, we've lost connection, we've lost margin. And margin is that quiet, silent places in our lives, the places where God speaks. And if we lose those, we fail to hear him speak. And this is not good for the human condition. It hasn't been good for the human family. And so if we have not done well in this area before, there's always a a time to begin anew with the Lord. Part of the Christian life is that we learn new things. We repent of old ways that didn't work. And any day is a day to start following the Lord. Our repentance and our prayers can redeem a past that was less than ideal. Another way to express this value of generation to generation is to encourage our younger folks, that would be middle school, high school, college, young professional, young families, to participate in the full life of the church. And so if you're of a younger generation, then we invite you to be part of the full life of the church. Not only because the church needs this, but because it encourages your faith in Christ. I see our faith, I see Eastminster and what we do here in some ways like a a relay race. I used to run track, so I know what a relay race is. Sometimes... um, I would run a quarter mile. That's one trip around the track, and that's a a mile relay. Sometimes we would have a four-mile relay, and then I was asked to run a whole mile. Not only did you need a team to run relays, you needed a baton. So if you're in a a distance race, you you pick up the baton like this, and and when you come around that, that last bend after the last you know, when you're almost ready to finish the mile, sometimes you're just staggering towards the finish line, right? But then you're like, ah, and you pass on the baton to the next person. He just runs the race. And when you're running a shorter race, 
You know, you take the baton like this, and you actually get a running start before the baton is actually passed to you. And you want to make sure you don't drop the baton, because then the team's disqualified. In the late 1950s, there were faithful people who established a church true to God's word, who had it in their heart to take the gospel not only to the ends of the earth, but to transform the city. We've done that throughout our history. And we want to pass on the faith and this earth-shaping and city-transforming ministry to the next generation. We want you to take the baton and take uh, Eastminster and the gospel into the future that God has called us to. And so we adults actually need to take the initiative in this. And we do this, first of all, by asking younger folks to serve alongside of us, not telling them what to do and say, hey, can you do this for us? But it's, will you serve alongside of us? I spent a day working at IASIS when that building was going up. I was assigned to mopping floors, but I had the Roush girls mopping floors with me. It was a pleasure getting to know them, and, you know, maybe they just thought we were mopping floors. But I told them, we're mopping floors because they have to lay tile, and you can't have any dust when they lay tile. And we're laying tile because this will become a basketball court. And this is going to become a basketball court because this is going to draw kids in from the neighborhood. And this neighborhood's a, a tough one. And you know, there's a building there now. Ministry's going out of that place. People's lives are being transformed there. We labor alongside. And then generation and generation works both ways. Young folks, we invite you to join us in transforming the city, in ministering to the refugees, in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. All these things this church does. This past week, my nephew visited me, and he expressed some dissatisfaction with the church he was attending in Iowa. He said, I feel like I just go to church once a week and that's that. And I thought, if you went to my church, that would be no excuse because that is not what our church is about. We have hundreds of people who serve on nonprofits in the city of Wichita, making it a better place. We have hundreds of people invested in ministering to people in the city. We have people who have a heart for the world. Young folks, if you want to really transform a city, if you really want to shape nations, then this is a church that you can be a part of and serve and take great things into the future. Another way we live out this value of generation to generation is to mentor the younger generation in all of life, including a life of faith. A strength of Eastminster is that we have professional people 
who have done well in their profession, and there are college students in the city who want to be mentored in their career of choice. So let's say there's a a pre-law student at WSU, and there is someone who has successfully practiced law in the city. That student would love to have a mentor guiding them in all the ways that the law works and how you get into law school, et cetera, and et cetera. And then you have the lawyer who is actually mentoring them. The student is being blessed, and the mentor, well, they'll mentor them in the way of the law. But you know that the life is more than just work. It includes integrity, ethics, family, balance, faith. When we share with a student, we share all of life, and that includes faith. And in this way, we bless the student, and perhaps we lead them into a closer relationship with the Lord. We're hoping to launch the program in the fall, but it's something for you to be thinking about now, that yes, I could, I could do that in my area of expertise. In fact, we're making the Wichita College campuses a target for ministry. We hired a college campus minister, Joseph Weimer. I asked him, hey, what do you need to help reach the college campuses? Because he's not going to do it alone. He said, I'd like to invite college students over to people's houses for dinner throughout the school year. So I'll need some people to just practice hospitality, maybe open their home to us once or twice a year. Can you do that? And do you work on one of the local campuses? Do you have some ideas on how we can connect with students? You want to bring the next generation along in their relationship with Christ. Generation to generation is important. In Europe, they failed to reach the next generation. And now you have a continent that is practically without faith. When I reflect on my own faith development, I was greatly influenced by my grandparents and my parents. We talked about faith in the home. We talked about prayer. We read the scripture at the dinner table. And uh, my dad made me go to youth group. When it was time to go to middle school, he wanted me to go to the middle school youth group. And so he told me, uh, I'm going to take you to the youth group. And I said, Dad, I don't want to go. And he said, you are going to go. And you'll give it a try six weeks in a row. You know why? Because after one week, I would have come home and said, I don't like it. But he made me go six weeks in a row, and I ended up loving it. And then um, it was time to go to high school group. I was kind of reluctant to go to that, but he, he encouraged me to go, and, and I went. And, you know, I, I grew in my faith. And then it was time for college, and 
you know, dad can't make you go anymore when you're in college, but I did go to a local college, Cal State Fullerton, and my dad didn't make me go, but he did this, and it was a sneaky thing for him to do. He had a friend at church who had a daughter who was my same age who went to the college group, and she was a fine-looking girl. And he said, Gray, why don't you have Amber invite Stan to the college group? And of course, I went. But you know, I really learned how to walk with Christ in that group. That's where I started to think theologically. That's where I started to think that perhaps God was calling me into ministry. See the importance mom and dad and grandparents and the faith development of your kids? At any one of those points, I could have said, I want to get off the freeway. But they kept me on it by their encouragement and by their prayers. Maybe you're here today with mom. And you're here because she wanted you to be here. And you want to make mom happy, and so, yeah, we'll go to church with mom today. But you know, it's not just church that mom wants for you. It's Jesus. She knows his salvation. She knows his presence. She knows his comfort and peace and guidance. She wants that for you. People who love others wants what's best for them. And your mom wants what's best. You'll have a bond with your mom until she dies. Even after she dies, you'll have that bond. But mom wants you to have an eternal bond. And that comes through Jesus. At Eastminster, passing on the faith generation, the generation is a core value, regardless of who we are. Parents, grandparents, moms, dads, kids, we all have a role in it. Happy Mother's Day is when someone else cleans your house Someone else makes dinner and they clean up after you. That's a happy Mother's Day. A happier Mother's Day is when your children rise up and call you blessed. The happiest Mother's Day is when mom is in heaven and she welcomes you home. And that's why generations to generation is a value in this church. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for parents and grandparents who passed on to us faith. We're going to thank you for them.
And if mom or grandpa and grandma is in heaven, or a son or a daughter, we look forward to that glorious day. Lord, we pray that we would be people that future generations would thank for the role we had in their faith development. Show us how to do this. Each of us are in unique situations. but You know how to do it. So we're going to ask you to show us. Make us willing, Lord. We pray for loved ones who do not know you. We pray that you would draw them to yourself. We pray that you would reveal the truth of the gospel to them. We pray that you would regenerate their hearts. We pray that you would give them faith. We pray that we would have a reunion in heaven. And so, Lord, we pray that you would show us as a church and that you would help us, that we would not even figure it out necessarily, but you would just do it. Bring us a younger generation who will carry the baton forward. And we pray this in Jesus' name.